Resolute Square. Welcome to The Zero Line, produced by Resolute Square. I'm Sergeant Sarah Ashton Cirillo of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, and every week we'll be bringing you inside Ukraine's war for liberty and liberation against the Russian enemy, while explaining how a victory by us on the battlefield isn't just vital for the Ukrainian people, but for the world as a whole. We will push back against the lies regarding this war for freedom and take you straight to the front lines of the fight for democracy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Zero Line. I'm Lisa Senecal, executive editor of Resolute Square, and I am here with, as always, Sarah Ashton Cirillo. Sarah, thank you so much, as always, for being here with us. It's a bright, sunny morning. I am still in Mexico. I'll be heading back to the United States soon and then on my way to Ukraine. But for right now, we're doing our third episode from outside the United States. And this one is is one that's very important, especially with all of the propaganda that was coming out of Iowa last night. I'm excited to do this show, even though there's a heaviness to it because it involves a death as well. Uh, So I'll allow you to introduce the show. Yeah, absolutely. We need to talk about how Russia uses soft propaganda from enemy characters. We're going to cover three of them today. How Russia uses that propaganda to manipulate the West and weaken what we understand both as journalism and from journalism, sort of how uh, this weird storm gets put together of propagandists stating a fact quoting themselves as their source, recycling this stuff, and uh, somehow coming across to the people who want to eat this stuff up as legitimate sources of information. So, Sarah, where do you want to start us off today? Let's start with the three names that, that we'll be discussing in relation to this soft propaganda from the Kremlin. The first is a name that's been in the media several times over the last six months, That's Gonzalo Lira. So Gonzalo Lira was a would-be Russian uh, agent, would-be Russian asset, who died in a Kharkiv, Ukraine, after having been in the custody of of the Ukrainian authorities as he was awaiting trial. He was a middle-aged, in his mid-50s, chain-smoking anti-vaxxer, who is now being held up as this icon of journalism. Uh, Fox News has covered it. A gateway pundit has put in a Freedom of Information Act request regarding uh, what the ties were of the U.S. State Department to this death and, and called for an investigation of me personally. And ultimately, this was just a guy who came to Ukraine, tried to add on to his grift and lived an unhealthy life, got imprisoned for for working with uh, trying to work with the Russians and working with the Russians in in, in some regards, not to the extent that he had hoped to. And then the other two names were one that's very familiar to the Lincoln Project and Resolute Square audience, and that's a guy by the name of Scott Ritter. So Scott Ritter was an inspector in the Middle East, uh, so-called nuclear inspector, uh, former United States Marine. Ritter ends up getting convicted of sex crimes with children and runs off to Russia where he reinvents himself as this geopolitical expert and analyst. 
And around the same time that Gonzalo Lira was in the hospital, uh, Scott Ritter was in Chechnya with uh, Katerov going ahead and presenting him with the United States Marine Corps uh, knife and trying to make deals on behalf of uh, Katerov with the Americans, with the United States government, but by stating that uh, Katerov would release Ukrainian hostages in exchange for having sanctions dropped against his family. So Ritter's literally working for Katerov. And then you have a third guy, a really heinous character, by the name of Graham Phillips. So Graham Phillips was, quote, an independent journalist. That's what he called himself. He ended up getting sanctioned by the United Kingdom. He's from uh, the UK. Spent a lot of time in Russia, of course, which is the same tie into all of these folks, or at least uh, Ritter and and Phillips. Uh, Lyra would only appear working with the Russians, but, but... was not in Russia. And so Phillips was a mouthpiece, especially in regards to a couple of uh, UK soldiers uh, who were volunteers in the Ukrainian army, uh, specifically a guy by the name of Aidan Aslan. And when Aslan was being held as a POW in the early days of the full-scale invasion, Phillips mocked him relentlessly. Well, Yesterday, or two days ago now, uh, the UK courts were very clear. They said while he tried to present himself as an independent journalist, in fact, he was a would-be Russian agent, Russian asset in the Russia propaganda war front. And so ultimately, all three of these guys were using Russia to increase their profiles. They came from countries that were considered enemies of Russia— We have seen what Russia has said about wanting to nuke both the United Kingdom and the United States. And ultimately, they've been reduced to, in the case of Lyra, he's passed on. In the case of Ritter, he's been reduced to uh, pitching deals for for, uh, war criminals and warlords. And in the case of Phillips, he's basically uh, unable to go back to the United Kingdom because they have declared him a Russian asset. And this is what we are, are facing in this war of soft propaganda. People who are put in front of us as if they are proper sources, unbiased sources of information, and really they're puppets of Putin. The quote from the UK court, or one of many in their ruling, is about Graham. He is, to all intents and purposes, a Russian asset who has signed up to Russia's propaganda war. So... Pretty clear, not a lot of ambiguity in that statement at all. It's obvious uh, what he is. You mentioned at the beginning of your statement the places that have reported on Gonzalo Lira and his first detainment and then death. And we all know who Fox News is, what Fox News is. Obviously, it is a right wing propaganda organization. But For people who aren't familiar with Gateway Pundit, can you give us a little bit of uh, framing around uh, this so-called journalistic entity? Yes. And one of the scary parts of of the Gateway Pundit is that it's ranked in the top 100 of all political websites across the world and in the top 500 of websites 
across the world. So while it may not be a familiar name, it has tremendous reach and it's been sued many times. They don't only just push uh, fake election propaganda. They will write literally anything. And basically, they write it and then challenge to be sued. They have enough pockets in order to fight the lawsuits. And then, of course, as the game goes, the more they're sued or the more they're attacked, the more they victimize themselves. What we know about these far right and far left outlets is that they are incredibly adept at uh, playing the victim. And so they write these hit pieces much worse than the National Enquirer because they're based in some idea of fact. They're based in some idea of reality, but oftentimes the vast majority of the story will have uh, inconsistencies or lies in them, and then they don't care. They move on. So it's fast, quick hit pieces or propaganda pieces if it's somebody that they're wanting to push in the political spectrum, political arena, and then they leave uh, victims in their wake. And yet you have Fox News, you have Gateway Pundit, and then you have people like J.D. Vance. So J.D. Vance is a carrier of this sort of neo-fascist ideology, this, this sense that uh, he has grievance politics and, and he engages in this chaos theory, and he jumps in on, on, on Lyra. And then you have Vivek, uh, who jumped in on uh, Lyra. So you have all these fringe characters. Who jumped in on Lyra, but who has now jumped out of the Republican primary race as of his uh, embarrassing finish in Iowa last night. I'm glad you brought up that because I think what we're seeing now, it's been two years that I have been looking at disinformation and looking at propaganda from a more macro level, from a more geopolitical level. And what I'm seeing in the U.S. is similar to what I've seen now in Russia. It's directly out of the Russian playbook. They'll throw a lot of talking points out there and they'll see if something sticks. So this is the third time that Tucker Carlson and J.D. Vance and Vivek and others have brought up Gonzalo Lira. Carlson had uh, Lira's father on. Now, what's interesting is that they have their facts wrong about the case. The facts are clear. And if they were to look at it, they would see that not only is Gonzalo Lira or was a misogynistic fascist who made a call to kill uh, Jews using the term that I will not repeat, but it was gas the and then a slur for uh, Jewish people, uh, starting with a K. And he blamed Israel for a lot of the, the failings of the world. However, the, the facts are simple. He was being held not for journalistic purposes. He was being held because he was attempting to help the Russians with uh, you know doxing journalists, with doxing soldiers, with positions of where troops were located. And he was in direct communications with Moscow regarding documentaries and television shows. And so this is what doesn't get reported in places like Gateway Pundit. They try to create saints out of uh, Satan is is what they attempt to do in the far right. And again, I I can't say the far right without saying the far left, because it's this hideous horseshoe that people like J.D. Vance and Glenn Greenwald on the left go ahead and find themselves on. And then the truth has only a very narrow path to make it through both of these sides. You're ever so slightly more generous than I'm going to be in describing 
Tucker Carlson and these other folks, they do have the facts. It's not if they had the information, it's they do have the information and they absolutely choose to mislead the the fact that these folks are promoting fascism, anti-Semitism, misogyny. These are bonuses in that sphere, right? These, these are the reasons that they do want to promote these voices. Not that they, you know, there are a lot of misinformed people out there and a lot of misinformed people, it's what they're counting on, that they are going to continue to amplify and spread the misinformation. But the folks at Gateway Pundit and Fox News and Tucker Carlson on his own, they're not among the ill-informed. They are just hardcore propagandists looking to prop up Russia and Putin and fascism, whether it's here in the US or Russia or any of the other countries around the globe where that is uh, spreading in a really frightening way. You you hit on a, a key point. Oftentimes, I'm accused of focusing on Russia, but this is this is Russia centric because they are the key player in this destabilization of the truth. But it is a desire of these neo fascists in the United States to be able to uh, inherit this mantle of of totalitarianism that they see taking place in Russia and Hungary and and Slovakia and elsewhere uh, in dictatorships around the world. And they long for that. Ultimately, with this desire, what you just stated is is pretty clear. They know the facts and they manipulate them to a way that benefits their worldview. And their worldview is one of authoritarianism. Their worldview is one of autocracy, one where it's not just a throwback to the 1950s, but it's a throwback to feudal times. If you throw out enough of this garbage of the misinformation and the disinformation that they do, and people absorb this stuff, and they're constantly undercutting, it's not just that they put out this information, but they're constantly undercutting the legitimacy of actual fact-based journalists and reporting and outlets that that do seek to put out the truth and people like you who seek to put out the truth so that when you push back and and try to inform someone who is going down these fascist uh, rabbit holes their response ends up being, well, yeah, maybe that wasn't true, but everybody's lying. So, right, if everybody's lying, if nothing's the truth, you know, if everything's lies, then you might as well just pick the lies that fit with your worldview and not making sure people don't understand, don't have faith in institutions, including journalism is a key component of what these folks are after. Not just journalism, Lisa. And you, you brought up something. It's about confusing people. It's about making people just throw up their hands and then find words that make them feel comfortable or seem comforting to them. We saw this in the U.S. courts in the one of the Trump trials where his lawyers argued something wholly opposite than what they argued during the second impeachment. 
They argued during the second impeachment that even if he was not impeached, he could be convicted in a criminal court as soon as he was out of office. Now they're arguing that because he was not impeached, then he can't be convicted of something in a criminal court. So we're looking at all of these pillars of democracy. I use that term quite often, pillars of democracy, but it's what stabilizes freedom, journalism, and the rule of law being the two key components of what make up freedom, free speech, and the rule of law. And ultimately, when we see that lawyers are arguing in the court of law that information doesn't matter, because that's what they were basically saying. We can lie to the U.S. Senate, or we can lie to a judge, or we can lie to both of you, because information doesn't matter. And you you clearly stated that when you said that they undercut the truth, too. It's not that they're just advancing their lies, but they're undercutting the truth from outlets that are established, from people who understand what ethics are, what understand what morals are, not just in their personal lives, but when it comes to their professions as journalists. So where do you see, it's not just the three of of these guys who we've been talking about today, but a much larger effort than this. Do you see this continuing to worsen or are you beginning to see that anybody is really pushing back and questioning this? You sent me an article. Um, we'll, we'll drop the link in the description of the podcast so you can see it. But you sent me a link to the article in the Gateway Pundit. And for me, when I read that, there is red flag, red flag, red flag. Like, this is not a legitimate it, you can tell from the language that they're using that the the far right wing fascist buzzwords, the misogyny, the transphobic, you know, all of the stuff that they are planting within the story. This is not what legitimate journalistic outlets do. But do you think that people have the ability or even the desire at this point to try to spot those red flags and know whether or not they're reading pure propaganda or they're actually getting legitimate information? It doesn't look good. And the reason it doesn't look good is that people want to matter. They, They want to believe that they are correct. In a world where information, it's information overload in our world, and where people are being drowned out, they are becoming very tribal. Ultimately, they want to understand that something tethers them to what's meaningful. And in the case of information, they can read something like from the Gateway Pundit that was full of inflammatory, inflammatory rhetoric. It was stunningly over the top, and yet they are in the top 100 of websites when it comes to you know, pushing politics in, in the United States and in the world, actually. And so, no, I'm not uh, very hopeful right now. The other issue we deal with is because so much communication takes place uh, across from each other versus with each other. So if you have somebody, this goes back to this bipartisan divide or this partisan divide that used to be bridged with bipartisanship in the U.S. Senate, sometimes in the House, especially in U.S. states, where in state house and in, in, in governorships where people could talk and then they could go back and speak to their constituents because everything has become nationalized now or globalized. There's less opportunity to 
have a, a, a need or for it to make sense to have this communication bridge. And until we have that again, I'm afraid that it's going to keep on descending to this uh, nadir of, of dialogue and uh, narrative in, in the country. What can change it? It can change it that the grown-ups finally put their feet down and say, hey, we are on the precipice and we don't want this because it's going to be bad for 90% of us. Right now, people think that 50-50 and which, quote, which side wins. When fascism is able to rear its head, 90% of the people under that fascist dictatorship or that authoritarianism are going to lose. And that's why I compared it to a feudal system. You're going to tell me a hedge fund manager like J.D. Vance, who went ahead and made his name by uh, basically going ahead and pimping out the people of Appalachia, that he is going to care about anyone. He doesn't even care about the people in his own district where jobs are concerned. So ultimately, if we're going to look at somebody like J.D. Vance as uh, a beacon of what's to come under fascism, then what we're going to find is a very bleak world, not just for people of color, not just for people uh, who would fall under any sort of minority group, but for the vast majority of those living under this dictatorship type standard. I'm so glad that you brought that up because you hear it over and over again um, from people. I, I heard it in interviews with people coming out of the caucus in Iowa last night, this firm belief that they have that if Trump is back in office, he's for us. He's going to, you know, everything is going to be done with us in mind. Because I heard, I, I heard one woman saying, you know, we, we know when he was in office, he wasn't trying to enrich himself. And it, like, it's almost too bizarro world to believe that, that people are in that tiny an information bubble. But, you know, another person I, I heard coming out of the caucus last night was saying, you know, I voted for Trump. Everybody in my family voted for Trump. Everybody I work with, uh, you know, all the people I know, they, they all were caucusing for Trump. And, you know, so there's no way he won't win the White House back. And it's that um, inability or lack of understanding of the tiny information world most of us exist in now that you're living in your own curated alternate reality. So you do, but it is true. Everybody you know, everybody you hear from, all the news that you get, you are getting confirmation of what it is that you believe and so to imagine that you know it's it's how we got where we did with an insurrection in 2020 that you know people are in these bubbles to the point that they cannot believe that an a reality outside what they hear could possibly be the truth and i'm afraid that that's where we're headed again and it's it's certainly something that we see happening inside Russia all the time. Definitely something that always is happening inside Iran and worse still North Korea. 
we have these uh, tightly controlled information bubbles. And in the U.S., we do it voluntarily, and the algorithms certainly help things along. Do you see ways that we can start piercing those bubbles? Obviously, what you're doing, what Resolute Square is doing, what the Lincoln Project does, there are a lot of pro-democracy people out there who really understand the Ukraine issue and are working really, really hard to try to strengthen democracy here and around the globe. What more do we need to be doing? Yesterday, and I'm glad you let in with this because I listened yesterday to part of an interview with uh, with uh, Bill Ackman, Elon Musk, a uh, guy named Jason uh, Kalkanis, and Dean Phillips. And why I felt that interview was important. Does Dean Phillips have a chance of becoming president of the United States? No. Uh, however, Dean Phillips was talking about ballot access. And basically, he's unable to get ballot access. So again, what we're seeing is this bubble that you're talking about. And within these bubbles are cognitive dissonance that, hey, we're not the bad guys. However, again, going back to that tribalism, maybe you're not the bad guys. And maybe even some on the, uh, on, as we've talked about many times off air, I'm very close to some Republicans. And they are supporters of Trump. Not every single person is voting against their own interests. However, what we need to see is this, to quote President Kennedy's book, we need to see these new profiles and courage on both the left and the right, even the moderate left, even the moderate right, and saying, hold on a second, you know, we may still vote for President Trump or, or we may still vote for President Biden, but we need to have democracy. And democracy means being able to hear all voices and not just cherry picking. This is the issue. The mainstream media, or what I call legacy media, oftentimes cherry picks based on editorial bias. Again, we know that Fox does this, but we also see it on the left. We see it with MSNBC and others. What makes independent arbiters of truth so important, such as you brought up Lincoln Project, they get accused sometimes of being bombastic. However, it breaks through the noise. What we need is more ability to break through the noise and make people think. Now, we live in a different world than we did in 1988 with Gary Hart, you know, getting in trouble. We live in a different world in 92 when Bill Clinton, quote, came out of nowhere. So how do we do it now? Well, we have to find ways to be able to present information that breaks through this cognitive dissonance barrier and make people pause and then say, oh, hold on a second. Why was MSNBC running uh, uh, curated clips when they left out X? Or hold on a second, we absolutely know that President Trump won a minuscule amount of the vote in Iowa, which is a minuscule amount of the vote across all Republicans in the United States, across all voters in the United States. It's really a harbinger of nothing. However, they are treating it as if it's this massive victory. And that is what we need to do. We need to find ways to communicate to the audiences in a method that gets them to stop think for themselves, and then make a choice. And that's, that's the key. And, and, and that's why so many of these independent, uh, not just uh, journalists, but independent media outlets are important because they're willing to sort of uh, shake things up a little bit. And that's what we need to do on, on both sides. We need people thinking for themselves again. We need, always need a loyal opposition, regardless of who is in office. And we need a strong, at least two-party system in this country and the people who are members of the other party 
are are not the devil. You know, we have to see each other as fellow citizens with differing views and be willing to have difficult conversations, but get into the, you know, the kind of stuff that you and I like to talk about, like the in the weeds, interesting, complicated, messy policy. It is messy. And there aren't simple answers and our desire to find simple answers to really complicated problems does not work for us. And I mean us as a country, us as a planet over and over again, there aren't simple answers. And I'm so glad you mentioned thinking, people needing to think for themselves because my God, we don't do enough of it anymore. You know, it's pretty wild. Folks spend so much time immersed in the infosphere and yet they don't go to that second level. They're, they're, they're just looking at, you know, the dirt on top. And if they dug down a little bit, they would find either information to back up their point, even in, in, in a, a stronger way, or they would realize, hey, this wasn't the story that was presented. But it's not just the fact that uh, they are in the infosphere, in their, in their bubbles of cognitive dissonance, in their bubbles of tribalism but the unwillingness to dig deeper, even though they're spending inordinate amounts of time ingesting information. And you were saying how we talk policy, and we do. We, we speak about in-depth topics off-air quite, quite a bit. And yet anyone else could really be doing what we're doing, which is a self-examination of the facts, uh, understanding the truth, and again, it's not the truth from the left or right. It's in black and white, in court documents, in bills, in budgets. And people are remiss to do that, even though they claim to be, this is one of the favorite terms, critical thinker or independent thinker. But yet it's just this constant wave of reposting, retweeting, uh, sending chain messages on Facebook. When, when we were growing up, Somebody would get a chain message in the uh, mail, right? They would send chain letters. That was one of the, the scams or editorials. And we would scoff at it and mock at it. Now it's exponentially more happening 24 hours a day and people jump on it and are proud to pass it on. It makes no sense that this took place so rapidly. However, it has. And if we don't acknowledge it and push back and try to break this hold that uh, false information has on people, then we are looking at not just the precipice of the abyss, but we will find ourselves looking up out of the abyss. And you said it a couple of weeks ago, climbing out of the authoritarianism, climbing out of fascism is much harder than it is to avoid it. Yeah, it sure is. We are going to keep pushing the truth and digging deeper and getting real information out to folks. I know that you are going to continue to do that, whether you're in the U.S., south of the border, or back in Ukraine. We thank you so much for everything that you do, Sarah. We, as always, appreciate this conversation on Zero Line, and we are excited to talk with you again next Thursday. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you to the Resolute Square audience. Thank you, Lisa, for being my editor. And keep on tuning in. It's the people who listen to this show and all of Resolute Square shows that are the ones that can make a difference. And on behalf of people around the world, I'm grateful for each and every one of you. As we are for you. Thanks, everybody. 
Thank you for listening to The Zero Line, a podcast brought to you by Resolute Square. Resolute Square's mission is to inform, lead, and connect. And The Zero Line is one of the tools that followers of Resolute Square can use to fight back against tyranny while championing democracy. Please like and subscribe to The Zero Line wherever you podcast and follow us on Twitter at Resolute Square or visit ResoluteSquare.com. Thanks once more for hanging out at The Zero Line.